Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor. And once again, I'm so happy to be here with you for this week's episode, which is about midlife, makeup, and more with special guest and beauty expert, Elise Marquam Johns. I can't wait for you to meet Elise. I mean, I don't know about you, but I have so many makeup stories and so many beauty questions these days. Eyebrows, foundation, and wrinkles. Oh my. So much going on, and so much going on that is eyesight related. (laughs) You might have figured out that your beauty needs are a little different now than they were, you know, a couple of decades ago when you were 20. And so many of us are a little confused when it comes to the changing needs of your skin these days. The thing is that the way you think about your changing looks can create a lot of bad vibes. If you weren't an expert at being hard on yourself before, Just pull out that 10 times magnification mirror and use the wrong type of makeup product and watch your mean girl thoughts go wild. So I know you're going to love meeting Elise. She's not only a professional makeup artist, but she's also a woman in the middle who went through a big career change later in life. I love welcoming women who have done something scary like this onto the podcast. I get email after email saying thank you for letting these stories be heard on the podcast because you can apply so much of what people are saying to your own life, your own fears, your own confusion. It's so inspiring to hear somebody that worked through it and now is so much more fulfilled and so much happier. Elise actually made her next chapter career move as a professional makeup artist a little later than many. She did it when she was 65. In fact, she had already retired after 35 years working at a public television station. Her focus is to help women 50 plus look on the outside how they feel on the inside. Elise trained with a nationally recognized top makeup artist and worked for six years as a makeup artist herself for a major cosmetics company and then six years ago launched her own company, Boomer and Beyond Beauty. Elise also writes makeup articles for Women 50 Plus for three online sites and recently launched a YouTube channel, Boomer and Beyond Beauty with Elise. And you're not going to want to miss that for sure. I know you're really going to love this interview and get lots of makeup tips that you can use right away. So please enjoy. Hi, Elise. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast. I am so excited to be with you, Susie. I love the work you do. I'm so excited to have you here. I love your story about how you created this career for yourself. And I love what you do because one thing's for sure, women our age really want more information about how to buy the right products and how to use them properly, whether it's skincare or makeup, like we have all the things, but we also have a lot of questions. But what I'd like to do first is to start with a bit about your path to this career And then we'll dive into some common questions about how to use all these beauty projects better so that we can get the results that we want. So I really do love your story. Can you tell us a little bit about your career path? What were you doing 
before and how did you end up here? Okay. Well, I'm from the era where as a young woman, it was either going to be becoming a nurse or a teacher. And since I knew science was not my strength, <laughs> teaching became my focus. So that is what I became initially. I taught high school English for a small parochial school for several years. Uh, I went on to then, through a strange series of events, purely by accident, purely by luck, started working for the public television station in Minneapolis-St. Paul. Worked there for 35 years, absolutely loved it. Fantastic colleagues, so smart, so talented, so loyal, and really mission-driven. So I was very, very fortunate. But during that time, I still missed the teaching aspect. So for about 23 of those 35 years, I also taught part-time for a local community college, taught English, and I went back and got a second master's degree also in health and wellness counseling. That was another passion of mine, so I ended up teaching in both of those areas. So I was very, very fortunate. So about a year before I actually retired, I started getting very restless. My husband noticed I would be leaving notes around the house of things I wanted to do after I retired. And I had been watching for several years a program that many of your listeners are probably familiar, familiar with. It's called um, What Not to Wear. I love that show. Do you remember that? Totally loved it. <laughs> yes. Hosted by Stacy and Clinton. And for those of you who aren't familiar with it, the whole premise of the program was that Stacy and Clinton were helping women primarily, although some men, uh, who were nominated by friends and family members who thought they were, quote, style challenged, unquote, to help them dress so they can look their best and feel more confident. But as part of the show, as you probably remember, in the middle of the show, they also had a hairstylist come on board and give the person a new hairstyle and also a makeup artist by the name of Carmody do a makeover. And what I loved about her approach was that she would not let the woman see what she was doing. And then at the end of the session, when the makeup was all done, she'd turn the woman around to face a mirror and see a big reveal. And what hit me as I watched the show, and actually my husband went off and joined me watching the show, he found it fascinating too, <laughs> was that so many of the women, especially women who were middle-aged and older like myself, were amazed by the makeup transformation, especially. And many of them had tears in their eyes. I had tears in my eyes as I watched it often. But there was one particular makeover, and I don't know why it was this particular one, a woman by the name of Belinda. And I watched that makeover, and all of a sudden, the light bulb just went on, and I thought, that's what I want to do. I want to help older women look and feel their best by teaching makeup techniques. So my whole teaching background sort of coalesced into thinking about that approach. So I love that you even noticed that because were you retired yet? I wasn't retired at that point. I think I was about a year away from retiring. So how old did you retire at? I retired at 65. Oh, wow. Okay. And so how old are you now? I am 72. Oh my gosh. It's really remarkable that at 65 or 64, right around retirement, you actually got energized to think about something else that you really wanted to do 
and start from scratch. So you had teaching experience. Clearly, you loved makeup. You've been emotionally moved by something you saw on television. But it's pretty creative endeavor to start your own business, especially one that has to deal with so much technology to move forward. Like for you to communicate with people, you could either have like go into people's homes or you could go online and you are online. (laughs) Well, it didn't start out that way, I have to say. Because of my teaching background, my first inclination, of course, was to teach classes on how to do this, which is how I started. I started teaching community ed classes in Minnesota. And that was just a great way to sort of test the waters, see what women were reacting to, what they needed, what their interests were. So that worked out extremely well. And then when four years after I retired, we moved to a warmer climate, Tucson, Arizona, and I started teaching classes there as well. But it became very clear to me that there were so many women interested in this topic, and I just wasn't able to reach them just through in-person classes. So I I launched a website, which (laughs) that was just a totally new venture. And accidentally found a woman through a club that I belonged to here in Tucson. I happened to be standing next to her in line, if you can believe it, at a coffee. And we got to chatting and she mentioned that she worked on websites. And I thought, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. (laughs) So she was very kind and helped me figure it out. She did almost all of the technical piece of it, I will admit, but I've learned how to navigate it now and make some changes on my own. So that was a learning curve, which was It's not easy, I must say. It's always challenging for me with the technology of it, but went on then to do a Facebook site for my business. And then last November launched a YouTube channel, which was far more complicated than I anticipated. But uh, if people don't realize the work that's behind the scenes, just like I'm sure they don't realize the work for you, Susie, behind the scenes and doing podcasts. Oh, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes, including managing your mind around fear of all these things. So here you are, 72 years old, with a YouTube channel. (laughs) I I love it. I still shake my head about that. And you know, my husband said something really interesting to me about two months ago. He said, Elise, you know, have you ever sat back and realized how things in your background have come together to have this happen? And I thought, and he started pointing out to me, he said, well, okay, yes, you were a teacher. But when you worked in public television, you helped out by participating in their on-air pledge drives. You learned how to be in front of a camera. You're not afraid to do that. You spent 20 some odd years doing that. (laughs) So it was really interesting to think how sometimes thinking about things that you've acquired skills or experiences over your lifetime can somehow just come into play in ways you never would have expected. Who knew? Exactly. (laughs) I'm sure you can't believe it when you think about it. It's like, what am I doing now? I never saw this coming even a few years ago that this would be the way your business evolved or that you'd even have a business after so-called retirement. Right, exactly. And I love your husband's uh, insight because what comes up all the time with women in the middle is that they consider different phases of their life as separate from each other. Even with the terminology next chapter, it doesn't feel like it's part of the journey necessarily. It's like that needs to be separate and different 
And how can I search and find the thing that's going to bring me joy at that phase of my life? And what's come up over and over with women that I've talked to about how they've navigated their transition is that it's all part of the same journey. It's just looking at your skill sets and what has given you joy and where you've excelled and had certain gifts a little bit differently. And I think that's exactly what your husband was pointing out. If somebody that didn't know you just looked at this phase of your life, oh, YouTube for boomers about beauty. That's nothing like you ever did before. But clearly, it is related to all kinds of things that you've done. It's kind of like a variation on a theme. Right, exactly. And another thing that my husband always kidded me about the fact that I was an English major. You know, what do you do with an English degree, right? And our daughter, our youngest daughter, uh, when she was in college, was interested in health and wellness. And we were so excited about that because we thought, well, there'll be all kinds of opportunities in the health field for her. And then one, one fateful phone call that we had with her, I think she was a sophomore in college, and she was saying to us, you know, mom and dad, I had a class the other day in one of my health classes, and they brought in a panel of people in the health field to talk about their careers. And she said, there was a long pause, and she said, you know, none of them sounded very excited about what they were doing. <laughs> and then she said, I, I really think I'm going to change to an English major, and my husband just about hit the floor. (laughs) You never know, but I I think just looking at your life differently and, and looking for some of those patterns and checking in with yourself about what you really enjoyed is so important. I really believe that we have more inner wisdom than we give ourselves credit for about ourselves. I would so agree with that. In fact, when I was teaching a stress management class, I had run across a book by Barbara Sher called Wishcraft, which is one of my favorite all-time books. And she has some brilliant exercises in there. And one of them is to imagine your ideal day and to think of it with having no roadblocks in your way. In fact, you have all the money you need. You can travel anywhere in the world at any time during the day, but just write down what your day is like living your ideal from the moment you wake up in the morning till you go to bed at night, who you're with, what you're doing, how you travel, if you're alone, if you're, uh, what you're doing for lunch, what are you doing for dinner? And it's a fascinating exercise. I had one woman I'll never forget in my class, I asked people, well, you know, what did you discover during this whole process of looking at your ideal day? And she said, I was horseback riding, and I hadn't been horseback riding since I was a kid, and I absolutely loved it. I miss it so much. And she had almost tears in her eyes saying, I'm definitely, I'm going to find a way to do that in my life right now. And another young woman raised her hand and said, you know, I realize that every day at work, I, I have to have flowers on my desk. That's really important to me. So again, she realized that somehow being surrounded by color or beauty in some way, even in a small way, just made a huge difference in her life. So it's just a fascinating process. One of the things I loved to do as a kid was draw uh, and my passion for painting and drawing. Well, that comes into makeup. You know, it's really an artistic expression as well. So absolutely. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love that. I have an exercise I do with my clients and I'll, and I'll put this in the show notes. 
It's called Happy Highlights of Your Book of Life. And I ask clients and podcast listeners to go through their life in terms of the chapters as they define them. It could be childhood. It could be when I had my first baby. It could be anything like that. And look for joy. Don't look for trauma. Don't look for obstacles because that's usually how we tell our stories. But just look for joy. And then to look at what kinds of things you notice. And like the examples you just gave, my clients have come up with all kinds of things that where they were really joyous and they'd forgotten about them. And then they're able to consider, would that be some way to incorporate that thing that I love into the way I make a formal contribution in the world or in my pastime, like the way I relax? That's actually how I discovered or rediscovered tap dancing. Because I'd forgotten about it. It was from grade seven. (laughs) But I remembered how much I loved it. And then I I did start tapping again as an adult recently. Oh, wonderful. I'm a little afraid to fall down, but it is fun. (laughs) Okay, so I love your story. Thank you so much for sharing that. But we have to talk about what's going on on our faces in midlife. And please tell us what do you find are the most common questions that women uh, our age have about how to use products better, what's bothering them? Well, you know, it's really interesting. One of the things that was a light bulb early on for me was when I was, I, I worked for six years for a major cosmetics line as a makeup artist. And that was a whole series of, again, just a lucky meeting someone <laughs> along the way. Uh, and it was great experience. And one woman came in one day who wanted to have her entire makeup done because she was getting married for the first time at the age of 48. And she was getting married in a couple of months. And she wanted to look beautiful for her wedding, of course, who among us would not. So, but she wanted to look natural. She didn't want to look overly made up. She didn't think her fiance would want her to look overly made up. So we, we had a great time chatting, work together. And she was just the sweetest person. And at the end, she said something so important to me. She said, you know, my college roommate taught me how to put on makeup, and I've been using the same techniques ever since. (laughs) I think that's true for probably 98% of us, as I've talked to hundreds of women over the past six years, as as I've taught classes. And of course, that's true, because how would we know what to do differently uh, even if we know we should be doing something differently, because obviously things, a few things change over the years. Our eyes look quite a bit different than they used to look in terms of the texture of our skin under our eyes, our eyelids, etc. So I think it's really important to realize that there's not a whole lot out there for us, although luckily things are starting to change a bit. So where do you, where do you go to find new techniques that work for you now? Uh, I did an interesting experiment where I looked on the websites of the six major cosmetic companies because most of them have you have videos where they where they do tutorials and not one of them featured a woman over 45. There was one that showed a woman who would I would say roughly was maybe 30, 35 for about 10 seconds. But most of the time, that's, those aren't the images that we see on, on videos, certainly not on a lot of ads, although that's where things are starting to change. The things that really make a difference are the techniques that we use now. For instance, um, 
I think one of the things that many of us are really afraid of is blush because we've all seen it go horribly wrong (laughs) (laughs) and it can happen really easily. Um, But we were always told we should put blush on the apples of our cheeks. But unfortunately, as gravity intersects with age, that doesn't work quite as well as it used to. So putting blush instead going upward from about the middle of our cheekbone up toward our temples is really a much more flattering positioning of blush. It also, because you're going upward, you're lifting the eye as people look at you. So it's creating an upward motion. It's lifting. And that's part of the smoke and mirrors of makeup. We can do wonderful things like that. So you're saying that that's a little higher than what we've been trained to do. Interesting. Because if you smile, you you know, we were always told smile, you can see the apples of your cheeks. But then when you are no longer smiling, those apples go down a little bit lower. (laughs) So we want to really lift everything that we can to give a really pleasing impact. The other thing that is absolutely fascinating to me is that um, so many people have questions about the eye area, which is absolutely natural because I think that's probably, uh, in addition to say, maybe seeing things change on our face in terms of discoloration or age spots, the eyes really get the most wear and tear over the years. So that becomes very important. And I think the one thing that women don't realize as much is that the eyebrows are incredibly important because something that happens obviously to all of us as we get older, you'll notice that the eyebrows get a little sparser or maybe they're not quite as full as they used to be, lose some of the uh, hair, eyebrow hair on the tails. Maybe you start to notice a few grays or whites or even little wiry hairs that start to (laughs) to peek out from time to time. But filling in our eyebrows so they are about one shade lighter than our natural color or if you're blonde, one or two shades darker makes a huge difference. In fact, it's the easiest thing we can do and it's one of the four most important things we can do to look our best. Oh, wow. What are the other three things? (laughs) I'm so glad you asked. Yes. (laughs) Well, eyebrows number one. Um, The other thing, and it's all about facial contrast. And quite honestly, this relates to a fascinating research study that was done a few years ago, where they looked at people literally from all over the world, different ethnicities. And the point of the research was to try and discover what makes people attractive to other people. And what they found out was the amount of facial contrast we have makes us look the most attractive. So what happens as we get older, we start to lose facial contrast. Our skin gets paler, our lips get paler, uh, our eyebrows don't, aren't quite as dark or filled in as they used to be. And by the way, because of our lips getting paler and smaller, I might add, don't we wish a few other things did, but our (laughs) lips definitely do. Um, The nude lipstick look, which is so prevalent and such a trend, is gorgeous, but it may not be our best choice. Because again, wearing a nude lipstick, your lip color blends in with your face color. So it really is doing the opposite of creating contrast. So in answer to your question, the four things are the eyebrows, number one, 
The second thing is to even out our skin tone because most of us do end up with some kind of discoloration over the years. Um, that literally has been shown to make a difference in we can look five to 20 years younger by the research, research again that was done if we even out our skin tone. Wow. So evening out skin tone, filling in the eyebrows, and the two other things are adding color back into our face. Because as I mentioned, we lose, we get paler, we lose color. So making sure to add some blush and some lipstick makes a huge difference. So if you do nothing else, those four things are huge. I'm so glad you mentioned eyebrows um, because, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I have three sons. I'm in a family of boys with beards, <laughs> including my husband. And I just remember a few years ago, I was like, I think something's going on with eyebrows. Like all of a sudden, women looked a lot different. Like there was a lot more attention to eyebrows. And my eyebrows looked different. They're everything that you said, um, sparser and just, you know, just fading. Everything in my face was getting fading and just more washed out, exactly like you described. And I found the eyebrow thing very intimidating because there's two of them. They need to be symmetrical. Everything looks so complicated. There's so many products. I just was completely overwhelmed. And then you know, I consulted a magazine and some YouTube tutorials and I'm like, okay, I'm not 23. I am not doing that. I do not have that much time. I, I just was completely overwhelmed. But I see now what you're saying that it, it is more important um, to add that back to your face. So what are some tips to be less intimidated by eyebrows? Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned YouTube in regard to that, because again, if you watch so many of the wonderfully talented 20 year olds who are on YouTube and they're fantastic, uh, the eyebrows are just a whole different experience. Most of us aren't going to spend half an hour or 20 minutes working on our eyebrows. And that's what I call the YouTube brow. I mean, it's a very heavy, drawn in look. And I think for most of us, it looks a little bit unnatural, quite honestly. So Really just the easiest thing, there are, as you mentioned, so many different eyebrow products, and it's a little bit of a matter of experimentation, but quite honestly, the very easiest thing you can use is powder. And it's, you don't have to actually go out and buy an eyebrow powder. You can actually use uh, eyeshadow. If, the, you know, if there are a lot of eyeshadow colors out there that you can find that will match your brow color. So it's not a, you don't have to, again, spend money on a specific product for brows necessarily if you have something that might work. But powder is quick and easy. The one thing I would recommend, there is a really important tool that is not expensive. It's very accessible. And it's an angled eyebrow brush. And oftentimes on the other end of that angled brush is something called a spoolie, which looks like a mascara wand. And the eyebrow brush is just absolutely wonderful for applying either a cream pomade or a powder. And then the spoolie is important because what it does is if you run it through your brows after you've applied the product, it takes out any excess product so your brows look a lot more natural. So that is just the key tool, <laughs> I, I oh, might say, for brows. 
That's great. I've never heard of an angled brush till I heard you talking about it. And it's really, really great. The other thing I wanted to follow up with, you said that one of the important things to do was to even out your, your skin color, skin yes. tone. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because that I get the discoloration, but are you talking about foundation, concealer? Yes. Um, you know, there's so many options. And I know, I, I don't know if, we, I don't think you're, you're anywhere near my age, but back in the day, there used to be not many options for foundation. You know, it was just heavy pancake makeup. And I think a lot of older women, that's the first thing they think of when they think of foundation, which is understandable. That's what we grew up with, many of us. But you know what? Even even with me, so I'm in my late 50s, and I remember being addicted to Seventeen magazine. Oh yeah, and trying foundation when I was, you know, into it in my 20s, and feeling very uncomfortable with it that it was still too thick, and that there was always a line around your face and your jawline, and I just stayed away from it then for. Yeah. 30 years. <laughs> yeah, that's understandable. And I think you're not alone. I think that's true for many of us because it, it's such an uncomfortable feeling to have a heavy texture on our faces. Thank goodness, makeup has come a long way. And there are a variety of different options out there. If you don't like sort of the idea of foundation all over your face, you can certainly just grab a concealer, which is a little bit heavier coverage than foundation. But maybe you just need to dot concealer on particular areas where you need help, and that's it. Or there are certainly tinted moisturizers, which are even a lighter coverage and feel even lighter on the face, where they provide a little bit of color, but they're not heavy. And then when you go to foundations themselves, there is every conceivable thing out there in the way of foundations. In fact, it can be overwhelming. I mean, I remember not long ago walking down the aisle before the pandemic hit, obviously, of a department store, and I stopped at one particular makeup counter, and there were 17 different foundations. So how do you know what to choose? Well, I can give you five quick tips if that would be helpful. Yeah. The first thing is to think about what is your skin type. That's important because there's a foundation for every different skin type, whether you have oily skin or dry skin or somewhere in between. So that's the first way to narrow it down. Think about, do I want something to help with my dry skin or my oily skin or my combination skin? The second thing to think about is what kind of coverage do you want? Do you want just a very light coverage or medium or, or maybe a little bit heavier? Um, there are, again, foundations in the, at full range. The third thing is to think about what kind of finish do you want? Do you want matte so there's no shine whatsoever? Do you want more of a satin finish where there's just a, a little bit of a glow? Or do you want a full-out dewy glow? There are, again, foundations fitting all of those criteria. Um, the fourth thing is, do you want SPF in your foundation? Now, I will say that most foundations have 15 SPF, which is not enough. <laughs> would not recommend not wearing an additional sunscreen, but there are some foundations out there that have 40 or even 50 SPF. The other thing to think about is, are you okay with a chemical sunscreen or do you want a mineral sunscreen? So that's important to be aware of. Most foundations, many of them will have a chemical sunscreen and chemical sunscreens actually enter into your blood. Whether that's safe or not is still to be determined. 
many people prefer a mineral sunscreen because it doesn't enter into your blood screen. It just reflects off. It's like zinc oxide, you know, when the, we used to see the lifeguards at the beaches with the white on their noses. That, that's pretty much the ingredient of mineral sunscreen. And then the last thing is to know what your skin undertone is. Uh, do you have a warm undertone, a cool undertone, or a neutral undertone? Because if you pick the wrong undertone for a foundation, it can look horribly wrong. Mm. It can make you look sallow or ashy. So um, being able to make that determination is really helpful as well. That sounds complicated. Um, so I know that when we're, <laughs> we're not able to just walk freely into makeup counters and get right. help, it's a bit of a challenge. But I personally would feel really comfortable going for a consult. Um, and I know that you've got lots of guidance on your YouTube channel. Before I want to ask you about your YouTube channel, but before that, I want to ask you one question about the sunscreen. All right, so I guess you're supposed to, if you decide to use sunscreen separately, you'd put it on before you put your makeup on? Yes, yes. Um, you would put any kind of skincare treatments that you have on first, and then you would put moisturizer, and then you would put sunscreen, and then start with makeup. Oh, okay. That's great. Okay. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about how our listeners can find you and learn from you. Um, tell us about this YouTube channel. What's it oh, called? Thank you. It has been so fun and interesting and challenging. <laughs> All of those wrapped <laughs> into one. Um, and by the way, going back just quickly to that idea of the skin undertone, which is so important, not only for foundation, but also for picking out a lip color that works for you and a blush color. And I just want to mention there are nine things that you can, questions you can ask to determine what your undertone is. And on one of my YouTube videos, I do go into that whole um, rundown of what oh, things to look at. Amazing. I'll give the link specifically to that one, as well as your general YouTube channel, because I know a lot of women are going to have questions about that. Yeah, yeah, so I'll that do is, that in the notes. That is so important. Well, Thank you for asking about YouTube. Yeah. And you can find me by simply going to YouTube and filling in the search bar Boomer and Beyond Beauty with Elise. Uh, I also have a Facebook business page just called Boomer and Beyond Beauty. I put a lot of tips in there. I love doing that. It's a lot of fun. Occasionally, I'll put Facebook um, live videos on there as well. And then also have a website called Boomer and Beyond Beauty. That's awesome. Well, I know that people are going to want to be getting in touch with you and to learn from you. Your makeup tutorials on YouTube are fantastic, so easy to follow, and you don't need to be a whiz to make some of the improvements and get the questions answered to some of your daily beauty challenges and things that are bugging you. So I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to share your knowledge and your story. I know that... Um, it's just so useful and you're definitely going to be getting some clicks because we need some help. <laughs> Thank you, Susie. You've been so kind. It's been a joy working with you. That's it for this episode. I'm sure you'll agree. Understanding some of the makeup basics for women our age can really help you out when you haven't updated your knowledge base or your makeup techniques or uh oh, maybe even some makeup. <laughs> In the past few decades, as mentioned, Elise has a super informative YouTube channel called Boomer and Beyond Beauty with Elise. So make sure to check that out. Also, I hope you really heard what Elise shared about how a lot of her experiences and interests 
kind of led her to this super exciting and enjoyable next chapter. It's so easy to get overwhelmed and feel like it's such a mystery to figure out what you want, to figure out what your passions are. When there are really clues all over the place, you just don't see them. So if you need some more help with sorting all of this out, download my free worksheet, What's a Good Passion Project for You? Head over to www.susierosenstein.com forward slash passion project 50. All right, my focus as a midlife coach is to help you waste less time spinning and feeling stuck. It's time to get excited about your life again. Being the queen of your brain domain is the best way to be. Check out the show notes with more information and links at susierosenstein.com. Download my free ebook, Nine Secrets to Get Unstuck in Your 50s at www.susierosenstein.com forward slash nine secrets. Want to connect more with me in the future? Join the free Women in the Middle Community Facebook group where we continue the podcast conversation. Head over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash women in the middle community. And if you're ready to finally put yourself first, you can become a first lady. Join my new midlife membership, Finally First. This is an upbeat virtual community for midlife women who want to stop feeling stuck and confused and finally start making the changes they want in their next chapter. Join now and head over to www.iamfinallyfirst.com. Let's do this, ladies. It's time for you to put yourself first, one beautiful and exciting thought at a time. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.